Today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, Pier 39 celebrates its 45th birthday and Delta Airlines, they who boldly wiped out their frequent flyer program two weeks ago, admit perhaps they went too far. Those stories next in the news. The chief health officer for a major airline says there are five things that he would never do on a flight. We'll check out his wisdom in our Smarter Traveler segment at 11.20. The junk fee situation is getting further out of hand. Restaurants are joining in. The latest update on how vendors are getting into our travel wallets at 11.35. Our odds and ends stories coming up at 11.50 include some good news for travel advisors and Mark laments on the disappearance of the shoulder season. Thank you for the pleasure of your time this Saturday morning. An hour from now, you'll be a smarter traveler. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys at our new time, Saturdays at 11, 11, 11 o'clock. Can't believe it. It's been about three weeks. We're still hearing from folks that are tuning in at three and wondering what happened to you. If you have a Where friend... be the Travel Guys? Yeah. If, if you would... If you would uh, have a friend or know someone who is also a listener, let them know. It's now 11 Saturdays. Thanks for joining us uh, today. We have a great show. We're brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And a lot of the good stuff that we do on the show, as well as links to our special guests and more to make you a smarter traveler, always at TravelGuysRadio.com. Okay, Mark, we wanted to talk at the top of the show about a situation with one of your employees, Tyler, who had lost some luggage. Why don't you do a quick recap and tell us where we stand with all of this? Well, we were coming back from Newark uh, from a trip in early June, on the 2nd of June, and uh, uh, Tyler's bag didn't make it back to Sacramento. So United said, hey, you know, we'll find it as quick as we can. In the meantime, you know, buy what you need to replace. And, of course, he had all of his work uh at wardrobe and everything, so he had to go out and replace all of those things, buy a new suitcase, etc., and came to about $1,000, and he sent United all the receipts and stuff, and a long time went by. We didn't hear anything from United at all, and then one day, United, a couple months ago, said, here's a check for $190, we're square. What? And uh, so Tyler sent them the receipts again and said, not so much. And about two weeks went by, and sure enough, United responded with another check for 500 and something bucks, bringing the total reimbursement to about $700, which seemed somewhat fair. So wasn't completely what he was asking for. But the United, you know, when you ever you're in a situation like that, the airline will come back and say, well, you know, these clothes weren't all brand new. So they've depreciated some. And your suitcase wasn't brand new, so if you paid $200 for it, it's probably only worth $100 now, So, which all seems kind of ridiculous, but that is the way that they look at it. So when you're asking for something, there's, you know, it's a negotiation like anything else. So just as, as $200 was not fair, um, so he came up with about 700 He sent him a note and said, you know, uh, here's the receipts again. Perhaps you didn't get them all the first time, but um, this is not acceptable, and if this... 
this doesn't work for you, why we're perfectly willing to take you to a small claims action. And literally, it, it, it went fairly quickly from then. So I might just suggest to you, if you get into a situation with the airline, be patient, but not too patient, and don't give up. Um, if they don't do what you think is fair, or at least close to it, then stay after them. Because um, really and truly, that whole small claims thing is something that airlines do not want to get into. The other thing is, of course, you can go to their social media, and if you've got a legitimate situation, and you can spell it out right. The other thing is, as Chris Elliott always tells us, make sure you keep a paper trail. Don't call on the phone and have somebody tell you something and then accept that as gospel, and then nothing ever happens. Make sure that every communication that you have with them, every commitment uh, when you're trying to get money back, this is from anybody, but especially from airlines, make sure you have a paper trail. Anyways, congratulations to Tyler. He got most of his most of his stuff fairly reasonably compli- compensated for, and that story has at least a somewhat happy ending. I hope that your luggage situation with the airline works out just as well. So with that being said, uh, clearly his luggage never did show up. No, it did. It, it, oh, they, it, it did. did eventually come back, and it was in decent condition. You know, I mean, there wasn't anything wrong with it. The only problem is that, you know, the guy had, you know, four or five pairs of slacks and four or five, dre- you know, work shirts and, you know, your entire toiletry kit and stuff. The man travels for a living. So, you know, he's, he. it wasn't like somebody who travels every few months. I'll wait and see if it shows up. He had to go out the next day and replace that stuff. And then United said, well, you know, you replaced it, but uh, not so much. This is We're just going to pay you, you know, 15 cents on the dollar and see if you'll take this. So the, the moral of the story is if they disappoint you, you know, I mean, if, you, if you're looking for the pie in the sky, then good luck to you. But if you're trying to be fair and they're not, then stay after them. You know, don't give up. At least one guy uh, won won his battle to an extent, and good for him. So anyways, lots of people ask me about that all the time, about whatever happened there. So I thought that I would share that it did come to a reasonably successful conclusion. All right. Well, thanks for the update. Once again, uh, you're listening to The Travel Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And as always, at the top of every Travel Guys radio program, we bring you up to date on what's been going in the week in the travel news. And with today's travel news update, here's Mark. We've been talking for a couple of weeks here, and we're going to talk quite a bit today about how Delta Airlines basically gutted their frequent flyer program in exchange for a, if you spend more money on our credit cards, our American Express credit cards, we'll love you more than we love you if you fly on our airplanes. Um, Alaska Airlines, which competes very heavily with Delta in Seattle, both of those airlines have a hub there. Uh, Alaska Airlines came out with a what we call a, a status match. Um, if you're with an airline and you've worked to be to achieve a high tier uh, because you've flown a lot with them and you're a desirable customer, airline does something that aggravates the heck out of you, like Delta did to their customers. You might go looking for uh, a new suitor. And Alaska Airlines wanted everybody to know that if you're tired of Delta and you thought this was unfair, hey, look over here. We would be happy to have you. And we will allow you to qualify for the various tiers fairly easily in a short period of time in, if you're already at that tier with Delta in order to steal your business. Well, that's a wonderful idea for those people who are caught with Delta and are maybe looking for a new home. But what happened to Alaska Airlines is that on social media, they got a tremendous pushback 
from their customers who had already achieved those statuses right. because they're not easy to get. So you spend a lot of money, you fly a lot, you you jump through the hoops, and now your airline goes out to people from the competing airline and says, hey, come over here and join us. Psst, psst, we'll give you a really great deal, and which would seem like a good business move on their part. But for all the people that you know had to earn it the hard way, now they're not so happy with you. So, um, yeah, this is, you know, this is, this is so typical and has been seen, whether it's for cell phone companies, you know, and and that sort of thing where Mm -hmm. new customers get the deal. Yep. Existing customers for 10, 15, 20 years get nothing. They get nothing. And and then, and then finally they got it figured out and then they would run ads that say, we got a special deal. And guess what? It's a special deal for old customers and new customers. So how did this how did this pan out? Uh well, it it at this point Alaska is going after the Delta customers and they're running ads in the Seattle market on television saying that they're coming after you. That, that you know, this is we we'd love to have your business and we operate different than these guys do. So we'll see. Uh, later on in the program, we're going to talk about um, Delta, perhaps. Um, their CEO has, yeah, well, we'll talk about it a little bit later on in the program. Um, we had Joe Brancatelli on last week from Joe Sent Me, a great travel blog, by the way. Um, and uh, uh, Joe says that what may happen here is that a lot of the carriers are going to go after try to poach the delta uh, customers interestingly enough joe also points out that a uh, vendor has created some phony sky miles which is delta's uh, reward program luggage tags they're uh, $11 each and there are 20 different tags that you can put on your bag one of boasts of cardboard medallion status <laughs> the the airline doesn't care about me at all. Um, cardboard medallion status. So, um, anyways, those those are that's just kind of a, a fun thing here. Let's see here. Rest of the travel news. Um, Netherlands. The Netherlands airport in Amsterdam is going to charge a surcharge, just like they do at Heathrow in London. Um, they're going to charge a surcharge even if you're only connecting there. So they've got way more passengers and customers and airplanes, and they know what to do with. So that's what they're going to. Uh, that's what they're going to do in the Netherlands. That is going to make flying on KLM or other airlines where you would connect in the Netherlands not so competitive. We'll see what happens there. We talked a little bit about electric vehicles and maybe renting one uh, on the road if you were going out to uh, you were going out of town or something like that. Perhaps renting an electric vehicle. Travelers. United did a survey, uh, and it the survey says own an electric vehicle and have rented one. Also, 5%. Own an electric vehicle, never rented one, 11%. Rented an electric vehicle, don't have one, only 1%. So there might be a market there. Don't own an electric vehicle and never rented one, 83%. So still a lot of folks to get some exposure there. And finally, our last story in the travel news, Pier 39. This will make you feel old, Tom. Pier 39 is celebrating its 45th birthday this wow. week. I remember when it opened um, down there. I really redid Fisherman's Wharf. So anyway, 45th birthday for Pier 39. Happy birthday to them. And that is your travel news for today. Hey there, it's the Smarter Traveler segment that we do on the Travel and Entertainment, guys. Thanks for joining us. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you. I wanted to make sure to catch your attention right away. 
making you a smarter traveler is what this radio program is all about. So, Mark, uh, let's let's begin. All right. Um, we talk here about, you know, health. COVID has taken a little bump here. We hope it'll just be a little bump. There's a new vaccine out. Got mine this week. Would encourage other people, especially if you're a traveler, to consider getting it. Uh, people who were vaccinated, at least in our anecdotal evidence over the last couple of years, we've seen that vaccinated travelers get sick less often and not as sick as unvaccinated travelers. Um, so it takes a couple of weeks for that to, to take effect. So if you're planning on taking off sometime in October, this would be a great time to consider getting vaccinated. All right. The chief health officer for Delta Airlines weighed in and said that there are five things that he would never do when he was getting re- if he was getting ready to fly. And so I thought, heck, if he's the chief health officer for an airline, the things that he wouldn't do would perhaps be of interest to you. This is he's a cardiologist. His, his name is Henry Ting. T-I-N-G. Okay, he's a cardiologist and the cardiologist. chief health officer for the um, for the Delta Airlines. For Delta Airlines. Hey, how, the much, last couple how, much, years. how much did he weigh in at? How? I know, that's a bad joke. It's a boxing joke. I don't joke. know. I don't know. Uh, Boxers weigh in. Yeah, All right. Well, All right, so here are the five things that he would never do. I found these to be interesting. Can I guess? Sure. Okay. Uh, he would never... Uh, he would never eat off the tray in front of him without wiping it down. <laughs> no, I think you you might be digging just a little bit deeper than he did. Oh. oh. Um, oh. So All right. let me give you an idea here, and okay. if you have anything else you want to weigh in with, you just jump right in. Okay. Um, first thing he said is, don't drink too much alcohol. Yeah, he said, you know, this may, be a, this may be a vibe crusher. But he said, alcohol is a very common culprit behind in-flight medical emergencies. Wow. Um, Alcohol is a diuretic, meaning excessive amounts of it can exasperate the dehydration that travelers already experience in a plane due to low humidity levels in the cabin. So uh, last thing you want to do is miss your Thanksgiving dinner because you passed out on the plane after your fourth screwdriver and had to be diverted to the local hospital. So that's that's certainly about there probably are a lot of other reasons not to drink too much before you get on or while you're on an airplane. But good point, Dr. Ting. Second item that he has here, he would never put his medicine in a checked bag. Now, that, this seems all very logical. We've yep, talked about yep. this I don't know how many times. Oh, yeah. But I will tell you it happens on a regular basis. You get out on the road. You've got a group of people. Somebody's bag doesn't show up where it's supposed to, or you're at the baggage belt and not all the bags have made it yet, and some lady comes up and says, I don't see my bag yet, and I'm really concerned because all my medication is in that bag. And you you just want to take out your croquet mallet and just, you know, bang. Yeah. So medicine doesn't go in the checked bag. Medicine goes in the carry-on bag, not the checked bag, so that you could so you'll always have it with you. Now uh, you could put some of it in your carry-on bag as long as you take two, three, four, ten days supply with you in, on your person. Next thing that the Delta chief health officer says that he wouldn't do when he was flying is take sedatives. He says maybe turbulence makes you white knuckle the armrests. Or you can't get comfortable enough to doze off. But whatever the reason, 
don't take a sedative. He said the intended effect may be to help you sleep or help you relax, but each of those medications affect the neurotransmitters and they can actually work in reverse effect. You might experience more restless sleep or you might be able to fall asleep and not stay asleep. Wow. He Cause says, a bit of anxiety, huh, almost. He says instead of Benadryl or men- yeah. melatonin yeah. or whatever, he suggests investing in a good neck pillow, wearing warm and comfy clothes on the plane, and bringing a small bag of your favorite Camly candy to nosh on when you start to feel anxious. Uh, Is that a technical pretty, term, by the way? Uh, nosh? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. yes, absolutely. Okay, medical Nosh. Term. Um. Number four, stay seated. For, stay seated for the duration of long haul flights. Something he would not do. He okay. would not stay seated long for the haul. duration of long haul flights. What's a long haul? Um, More than four hours. He, um, he's he doesn't identify it, but he says stand up every hour or so. I'm thinking probably four hours. I'm thinking mm-hmm. three four hours. To Chicago is four hours. To Dulles is five. To Atlanta is the better part of five. I'm thinking of the longer nonstops we have out of here. To Newark is uh, five hours plus. Hawaii is roughly five hours, about six hours going over and about five and a half coming back. So he says that um, you need to get up. Um, you don't want to, to you want to keep your blood circulating and reduce the risk of clotting. He also suggests that you might want to wear some hosiery, some socks that will help uh, you with with circulation and stuff on the plane. He also said if you don't want to uh, disturb a sleeping seatmate, try some seated exercises like calf raises or ankle rolls. Um, those That seems kind of dumb, but actually that's something that I do myself frequently on planes. I do that a lot when we're landing on a long flight just to get a little – circulation going in the lower extremities you're about to stand up after being seated for a long time okay fifth item that the delta chief health officer for delta airlines says that he suggests not doing if you're going to fly he would not leave his mask at home covid19 might seem like a distant memory dr ting says but it still exists Along with a slew of other respiratory infections, you don't want to put a damper on your travels. He suggests packing a mask in your carry-on in case you find yourself seated next to someone with the sniffles. So he's not talking about necessarily this being a COVID thing, but the kind of respiratory illnesses that go around in the winter. And he also mentions that um, airports themselves, not necessarily the airplane, we all know that Air on planes is circulated more often, that they have good filters. That helps cut down on the risk factor. But he says airports are someplace that you want to be careful. Yeah, understood. Uh, I Even before COVID, I would always uh, take a mask uh, when I flew. There's just a few places that, that are congested. And uh, a mask is a helpful uh, thing to have. And, and I think of very few that are more congested and packed and seems like somebody's always got the sniffles on an airplane those are all some pretty uh some pretty great yeah, tips i think i think pretty interesting maybe we should just maybe i should just quickly run through the top five again for the benefit of folks who tuned in in the middle of the segment delta's chief health officer would never do these things if he was flying or about to fly drink too much alcohol put your medicine in your checked bag take sedatives before the flight 
stay seated for the duration of long-haul flights, which we identified as being three, four hours or more, or leave his mask at home. He still feels that there are lots of situations, especially in the wintertime, when people are hacking and scratching on airplanes. I also want to note, Tom, in my travels here recently, in the last, heck, I was at a, a travel show down in San Jose last weekend, and apologies to folks who tried to listen to that fiasco of a radio program we tried to do. I won't do that again, but um, we'll say that uh, a lot of people. And the other thing is that I've noticed, uh, I don't go into the ladies' room, but in the men's room, I've noticed that we're back to 60% of the guys walking in and out, walking in, doing their business and walking out without washing their hands. So um, that's your own personal sanitation issue there. But the other thing is that if you've got something that you picked up along the way, now you didn't wash it off. So now your chances of you touching something on your body that makes you contagious to yourself um, or somebody else has gone up. So really and truly, um, what we need to do to remember as travelers is those habits that we got into a couple of years ago. And that is anytime I walk by a hand sanitizer, I just put a squirt on my hands. You know, whether it was an hour before or a day before, if I walked by it, I just figured that it wasn't a bad idea. And taking advantage of the opportunity to wash your hands at appropriate times and stuff, you would be surprised. Covering your mouth when you cough, things of that sort, just do the reasonably intelligent things along the way, and we will all benefit from it. But uh, the, the whole COVID thing, it's coming back a little bit, so maybe consider getting that vaccination. If you're not a vaccination person, then I wish you the best. All right. And and you know what? Carry a bottle of hand sanitizer with you or the kind of stuff uh, that you that you use to wipe down things. It it doesn't hurt, especially on an airplane. Hey, Tom, on the phone and joining us here a little bit unexpectedly is one of our road reporters, Clayton Whitehead. Clayton is up in New England um, and is a part of the famous New England fall color season up there. Hey, Clayton, welcome to the back to the program. Thank you, gentlemen, and forgive the noise in advance. I'm on a rather busy city street right now. Where are you? I am in Kingston, New York. Kingston, New York. So for folks who, who don't haven't been to Kingston, give us some idea on the map of where that is. Paint us a picture. Um, I'm about 100 miles north of New York City, right on the Hudson River. Um, I'm near Poughkeepsie. I think that would be the largest big city, but uh, ah, okay. it is a beautiful part of the world. The Hudson River Valley is is just spectacular at any time of year, and especially in the autumn. Though that said, uh, weird weather seems to be uh, the norm now, and uh, it's like a summer day up here. It's 80 degrees, and every single tree is completely green. (laughs) (laughs) In what would normally, historically, last week of September, first week of October, be fall color the peak of fall color season there, so weather having a little effect. What have you guys been been doing? If people were going to see the fall colors in New England, uh, where would they go? Well, um, Vermont, New Hampshire, uh, Maine, though to a lesser extent, and um, New York State uh, is amazing. Um, normally, uh, a year ago this week, I was in uh, Lake Placid, where, of course, the Olympic, Olympic Games were back uh, whenever it was. And it was literally the best fall foliage I've ever had, ever, 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 anywhere. It was absolutely amazing. So I uh, very uh, intentionally shot for New York again this year. 
and it's summertime. But um, yeah. it's still a beautiful part of the world. So much incredible history dating back to uh, the early 1600s when all this area was uh, settled by the Dutch. Of course, a lot of Revolutionary War history. And then tomorrow we'll be spending the day in Hyde Park uh, touring the homes of FDR, Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, the FDR Library, and having lunch at the very prestigious Culinary Institute of America. And this is the original location up here in Hyde oh, Park. Wow. Sounds like you guys are having a good time. When do you come home? Uh, late, late, late next Sunday night. Okay. All right. Well, you guys have a good trip. Thanks for checking in with us. It doesn't sound like too many fall leaves are going to fall on your head, but uh, have a good time in Hyde Park tomorrow. Sounds good. Thank you, boys, and we'll talk to you later. All right. Clayton Whitehead on the road from New England. Tom, you ever been back in New England? I have not. And uh, no. I, I had to ask, I mean, it's got to be very difficult to schedule a fall foliage trip. You went last year, it was the best ever, and then you go this time and it's all green. So, I mean, you're, well, you're, you're kind of stuck. Uh, how do you plan that? Because you can, once you schedule it, you can't say, oh, well, it's don't go. I just talked to a friend there and it's still green. So, yep. But clearly, from what Clayton just said, there's plenty of other things to do. Yeah, there, there, there really are plenty of plenty of things in in New York City. All right, let's take a let's take a gander here um, at talking a little bit about uh, about this fee thing. We've we've talked it to death on this program, and for those of you who are tired of it, I'm I'm sorry to to bring it up again. But in this case, um, there is uh, there's been an expansion. Um, what we, what was previously junk fees that were mostly s- confined to airlines and hotel chains is spreading rapidly to restaurants. Um, one of the most popular restaurants in Washington, D.C., the Old Ebbett Grill, um, very popular with tourists in town, very good food, um, has added a percent surcharge to their menu. Um, and... Without real explanation of what it's for, just saying that their costs have gone up, and uh, so they're adding this surcharge, and they hope to be able to take it off later on. And yeah, I, I like that's really going to happen. Um, I, it's just it's amazing. San Francisco has a surcharge for at restaurants for employee benefits. Um, it seems to me, maybe I'm just crazy, but I'm a business person. The costs of doing business are part of the price of your product. That's just the way it is. And you, you you don't have to add all these things at the end and aggravate people. You just charge what it costs you to do business and make, hypothetically, make a reasonable profit. But that doesn't seem to be the way that they're approaching it. Um, the, the, the District of Columbia District Attorney General has released some guidance about restaurant fees. But all of this is, it, it seems as though these people can do whatever they want. I mean, hotels are, first it was a resort fee, then it was a destination fee, then it was an amenity fee. Um, no matter what name you make up for it, whatever they're giving you rarely, rarely um, has a value of what they're charging you. And it's not part of the price you expected to pay. And if you're staying someplace for a long time, this can add up. You go into this restaurant, you pay, pay, spend a couple $300, your bill's going to come. And there's going to be this surcharge on it, and you're going to say, gee, what is that for? Well, that's the surcharge that we, you know. So my suggestion when you run into these things, if you feel the way I do, is uh, if you if you stay and you patronize the place, that's fine. I would let them know that your buying decision, your decision on whether or not you're coming back is going to be impacted 
by the charging of this fee. I mean, I do the same thing at hotels. Stayed at a Doubletree Hotel in San Jose uh, last weekend. $30 a night for parking. $30 a night at a Doubletree Hotel. Somebody, they must have thought they were a Ritz-Carlton by accident <laughs> and and just got confused. But And I let them know. I said, you know, the next time I come here for this travel show, I'm going to stay at a different hotel. I'm not going to pay you $30 for parking a night because it's 60 bucks and it isn't fair. And your parking lot isn't full. And it's, you know, 10 bucks a day, okay, but $30 a night. So push back against these fees. When you get into these situations, push back. It doesn't mean you have to be an a-hole every time you run into one, but you need to let people know that this is not something that you approve of and that if they continue to do it, it's going to impact the your decision on whether or not you do business with them. Well, well put. Uh, you, It's hard to believe that it just continues to spiral out of control. You would think that one of the major chains... Uh, somebody would would kind of reverse the trend by saying, you know what, we're not going down that road. We're going to take advantage of it. We're going to go the other direction. We're going to steal the business or we're just going to earn the business in a completely different way. And that's by offering you more value uh, and less uh, bogus surcharges. So do you, do you see an end to this anywhere, Mark? I, 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 I would have thought that public pressure would have something to do with it, but that obviously has not – it's spreading. It's getting it, – it, in, instead of going away, it's getting – I mean, the president mentioned it in his State of the Union address last year, and I thought, well, maybe somebody would pick up on it, but they haven't. The, the Congress is, is too busy fighting over petty BS, and, you know, it, 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 it they don't – they're not addressing things. This is something that really uh, you would think it would aggravate them, too, that because they they travel a lot. So they must run into these things. And surely their constituents have mentioned it to them. Nobody likes this stuff. Why don't people just put it back into the co- into the price of their product? Anyway, my suggestion is make sure that you let your congressperson, if you live in this area, Doris Matsui or Ami Berra, um, or others within the listening range of this radio station, but those are two for the greater Sacramento area, um, drop their office a note and tell them that you're fed up with this. Give them the example of, of where you've had to pay one of these fees. If enough of us push back hard enough, then we will have some impact on this. But it, so far, it, it seems like we have not done it. I will tell you that the old Abbott Grill is someplace that my company uses in Washington, D.C., and when I saw this two days ago, I called them and confirmed that they did it, and I told them, you know, it's that's really too bad because we have a we have a uh, group that's coming to Washington next spring, and we would have dined with you because we regularly do. But I'm not going to give you that three and a half percent. If you want to waive it, I'll come. They said no, they couldn't do that. I said, well, then we'll find some um, someplace else. Perhaps we'll check in with you next year. Perhaps not. All right, um, some odds and ends here. I know we have some folks in the travel industry in town who are travel advisors who listen to this program. I know that because they tell me. So I have a piece of good news here. Probably they may have already heard about this. But ASTA, which is the American Society of Travel Advisors, it is the big trade group that many travel advisors belong to, um, has published a list of suppliers that pay advisors commissions the quickest. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, when you go into a, a travel advisor and they're assisting you with your trip, it's possible that you may pay 
a small fee to the advisor. That's part of their income for assisting you. And part of their income comes as a commission from some of the suppliers that they work with. Not everybody pays a commission, but many people do. And so the travel advisor sells you the product and off you go on your vacation. And once you've come back, they wait for a few days, a few weeks, a few months, forever for the supplier to send them their money. So that's how the circle gets closed. That's how they make their profit and keep their doors open. And some suppliers send commissions faster than others. I don't really work off of many commission situations here as a tour operator, but there are a few. And it is always interesting to see how some hotels seem to get you your money right away and some take forever. So what ASTA is doing for travel advisors is compiling a list of those people who pay quickly. What a terrific idea. Mm -hmm. Because if there's an incentive on behalf of a supplier, you certainly would like to be on the list for travel advisors that you're one of the companies that pays quickly. So that would certainly be an incentive for people to do business with you, perhaps the biggest incentive from the most important group of people. So ASTA has, um, the initial list is going to have a couple dozen people on it. I haven't seen the original list yet, but ASTA is hoping that they say that there are a number of suppliers that will be able to meet the qualifications and be added to the list soon. And that is going to make those who are not on the list even more conspicuous by their absence. So this is a good thing. And the reason this helps consumers is because companies that pay their bills on time are more likely to be good companies, I will suggest to you. So not only does your travel advisor like them because they get paid more promptly, but it's likely that those are companies that kind of have their act together a little bit better when it comes to delivery of travel services. So anyways, when we get that list, why we'll we'll put it at travelguysradio.com so that you, the consumer, can take a look at it. But for travel advisors, this is a really a good thing because it gives them an opportunity to be able to separate uh, the men from the boys, so to speak. You know, who pays up? And who doesn't? Uh, Something that I have noticed myself the last couple of years, and now some of the travel media are are, are poking in on it. A travel pulse writer uh, writes last week, goodbye shoulder season. Uh, One of them wrote, goodbye shoulder season. This doesn't have to do with body parts. This has to do (laughs) with time of the year. Right. Summer has always been June, July, August. Um, that's generally here in, in our hemisphere, the busiest travel season. So that's when most people travel and when the prices are the highest. Traditionally, you have a, what we call a shoulder season, mm-hmm. a, a, a not so high season in the spring and the fall. So in the spring, and depend, this, the, the length of the shoulder season and when exactly it occurs depends on where you're at. Um, the spring, certainly April, May would likely be shoulder season, the fall, September, October. Now, Clayton Whitehead checked in with us a little while ago. He's up in the, up in New England for the fall color season. Prices in Vermont and New Hampshire, Maine, upstate New York at this time of the year, oftentimes are higher than they are in the summer because fall color season is so popular. So the shoulder season there doesn't occur until the leaves start to fall off the trees. And so that's probably mid-October and into early November. So the shoulder season depended on where you were. The point of all of this is that uh, lamenting, as you were commenting earlier, Tom, that the 
Shoulder season is just about gone. Travel demand has been so heavy that so many people have said, well, I'm not going to pay $500 for that hotel in August. I'll go in October when it's three and a quarter. Now, the question is, uh, they're going to go ahead and kind of eliminate the shoulder season, meaning that those discounted rates on the kind of off season before or after are going to go mm-hmm. away. The question is, is the, the if the rates are going to remain the same, will the demand still be the same? Will there be more people there on the shoulder seasons? I, you know, sometimes I would pay a little more just for people not being there. So exactly. we're talking about the dollars changing, but will the will the crowds change? Well, and the reason that the shoulder season as we know it is going away is because the crowds have changed. Okay. Um, this is all about supply and demand. So this, the supply hasn't changed. What has happened is that there has been so much demand in the summer season that many people have said, well, let's go in the spring or the fall. And so now the demand there has gone up. So now a hotel saying, well, you know, maybe we don't have to discount this anymore like we used to because we've got business coming out of our ears. Instead of dropping the rates in April and May, maybe we drop the rates in March and early April. So the shoulder season won't basically go away, but what's going to happen is it's going to shift to least less desirable times. So if you're if, if traditionally you like the fall colors in New England, you want the shoulder season, you have to wait till the leaves fall off the trees and it gets cold and it might rain and you might even see a snowflake or two in early November and then you're, you won't have as much competition. So this is about supply and demand and the number of people who want to go on vacation. We are starting to see, I'm getting these stories pretty much on a daily basis now, about demand softening in different places. It's not softening across the board, but it is softening in some places, but it isn't softening as early as it used to. So we'll see. For those of you who, who liked to go and, as you said, Tom, avoid the summer crowds, mm-hmm. then you may have to wait a little bit later. It may be a little chillier. Uh, you may be wearing a little heavier jacket before you get that discount. Does that sound – does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I'm afraid it does. Yeah, did, yeah. did you happen to notice last week and, or did you take advantage of it? Uh, uh, Southwest sent me a notification that uh, 50% off. Their fares. Yep. And yes. That that sale ended Thursday. Well, you had to act. Yeah, that's right. It did. You had to. You yeah. had to act by Thursday. I we, looked into it because I have October. Uh, pardon me. I have uh, November and December flights already booked for my grandchildren to come visit, and I thought, hey. Mm-hmm. But of course, all the dates that I wanted in November and December were part of the blackout. Well, and there, there again, now we're talking supply and demand. So what Southwest was basically saying is we've got quite a few dates where people are not flying. So um, you, sir, have probably picked dates where people were still flying. For so sure. when they offered this, it was 49, as low as $49 system wide. I had some people in my office who snared some flights to Seattle in January or February for the $98 round trip. So they were out there. But it wasn't all the dates, and you had to be—you you definitely had to be flexible in order to nail that. Um, one other quick thing here before we close it up for the for the, the day: um, if you're renting a car, car rental companies are starting to charge for pet hair cleaning again. Our friend Chris Elliott says he's gotten several reports of people getting dinged after they return to car. So make sure one, if you do have a pet in your car, make sure that you clean up 
so you don't get charged and make sure that you take pictures. If you don't have a pet in your car, make sure you do what we always advise anyway, and that is to take pictures of the inside and the outside of the car before you re- before you walk away after you've returned it. And a warning, if you have a furry animal at home who deposits hair on your clothes mm-hmm. and you pack them or travel with them or wear them, you could end up depositing hair in the car and not even have a pet with you. So be advised. Yep, that would do it. One more, one last thing, if I may. Um, here, one more story we that we've covered here recently. We're talking about maybe airplanes having sections where small children were not necessarily allowed to be babyless sections on an airplane. Um, where I think this is probably going to happen. Adults only section, 16 and over, older. Uh, we've already got one airline doing it between Amsterdam and uh, some of the some of the islands out in the Atlantic. Um, adults only zone, uh, 93 standard seats. However, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You'll, you'll, you'll never guess. Yeah, yeah. You'll never guess. I'm, I'm doing that rubbing your fingers together. Yeah. Thing to, to Mark $48 extra to yeah. sit in the section without the children in it. Um, and just hope that the child, the, the child doesn't end up in the first row behind that section. The little screaming baby. But anyway, yeah, it, this has been really interesting to watch in social media because as there have been discussions, Tom, about, you know, do we want small children in sections of the plane? And, of course, there are two very – there are very widely differing opinions on all of this. And some people are pointing out that, you know, no matter – even if you have a, a section like this, doesn't mean that there won't be – children or noise or somebody else that's rude it doesn't guarantee you that you won't have somebody that isn't acting like a small child in your section but there are definitely two different you know it's haven't weren't you ever a kid you know babies can't help it it's um everybody should be allowed on the airplane and then you know then somebody comes back and says yeah but you know i'm i'm not all for this maybe somebody said maybe we could put all the babies on the same plane on the same day um you know which of course is not realistic but it's fun to watch the comments and how widely varying they are and of course some of the comments depend on how recently and how close uh how recently you flew and how close you were to small children on the aircraft you know there are some things in life that you just can't change and uh, everybody was a small child once so um, it's but it's it's been really fun to watch all right we are about at the end of the line here for another travel guys radio program you remember have a good week dance like nobody's watching thanks for joining us my friends we'll be back uh, next saturday 11 a.m stay well see you then